Hi, I'm Rick Ryman. Today on Hijacking History, I want to talk about the 2018 midterm elections that just took place. We'll discuss that right after the break. In the wake of the 2018 midterm elections, many Europeans drew the depressing conclusion that Donald Trump would be re-elected in 2020. After all, he's a non-stop liar who has left no doubt that he wants to destroy the international order and the American rule of law. Yet the Republicans and the Democrats each grew their strength in a different one of the two chambers of the U.S. Congress. Was it not merely a split decision? Well, no. If Donald Trump is re-elected president in 2020, it will be in spite of the midterm elections rather than because of it. Looking at it within the perspective of the constitutional rules of the game, the midterm elections should give Democrats more hope than Republicans. Although one election does not control another, the midterm elections in 2018 do not provide grounds to be pessimistic about Democratic fortunes in 2020. For one thing, many observers are too image conscious. Political maps draw viewers' attention to the geographical size of the different states, something which is totally irrelevant to electoral outcomes. The number of states does matter, as we will see. In American politics, geographic size does not matter. A political map of the United States shows a huge wash of red in the interior and solid blue only along the coasts. But this is only because the interior states, which mostly have small populations relative to the urban coasts, just happen to be geographically large and numerous. For example, Alaska is one of the smallest states in population, has virtually no impact on the presidential election, yet it is almost as large geographically as half of the lower 48 states put together. Since rural and small town voters tend to vote Republican, it is not surprising that these large contiguous interior states throw a lot of red across the map. This design flaw is curious because maps are supposed to enlighten rather than mislead. If the size of the states were redrawn on maps according to the number of electoral votes for each, the map would show more blue than red. State electoral votes are equal to the number of representatives per state plus their number of senators, two per state. But this would mislead us about the Senate, since there all that matters is the number of such states, not their populations or geographical sizes. Here's an astonishing example of how unfair our political system has become from the perspective of majority rule. The 21 smallest states in terms of population collectively have 42 senators, but have the same number of people and the same number of House members as California, which has only two senators. Small states are overrepresented in the Electoral College, which of course means a great deal as far as the selection of the president is concerned. It is true that Democrats typically win California, which surely will continue, and that winning California brings you 20% of the way home to winning the 270 electoral votes necessary for election. 
But Republicans now appear to have a lock on Texas and Florida, which together equal California's votes. So the race is typically won in the battle for the voter-rich Midwestern states. Here, there are many urban voters, but also many small-town and rural voters. The kingmakers tend to be a coalition of blue-collar and suburban voters in these Midwestern states. Whichever party can snare both of these groups in the Midwestern states will almost surely win the White House. If Democrats win one group and Republicans win the other in these Midwestern states, the outcome will be very close and uncertain. There are two reasons why Democrats have reason for cautious optimism. First, Trump's policies run counter to the interests and ideals of both of these two critical midterm constituencies. Trade policies may protect domestic manufacturing, but they will raise consumer prices, possibly cut into sales, risking higher unemployment, and lead to trade wars ruinous to members of Trump's rural supporters in the Midwest who are selling on the world market. Suburban women tend to be better educated, they are on to Trump's lies, and identify him with policies that discriminate against women and put immigrant children into cages. Trump is unlikely to change in the next two years, and neither will the views of these women. Trump has already lost the suburban vote, which was critical to his victories in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. So close were the votes there in 2016. A note of caution, though, is the case of Ohio. Ohio continues to trend Republican and is a tough sell for Democrats. But Ohio is a must-have state only for Republicans. The map for Democrats is difficult without Ohio, but nearly impossible for Republicans without Ohio. Ohio is the main reason why Trump's re-election in 2020 cannot be ruled out. But there's another reason why it can't be ruled in either, even if Trump were to win the trifecta of Texas, Florida, and Ohio. Democrats are no longer as dependent on the Midwestern states as they once were. In the last four elections, they have tended to win states that were once completely lost to them, Virginia and Colorado especially. Hillary Clinton defeated Trump in both, and there is every reason to believe they will grow more blue in 2020. Arizona is a state close behind them in the transition to blue. Nor are North Carolina and Georgia completely out of reach for Democrats. Any two of these five states would render Ohio unnecessary to win for the Democratic candidate. And that would be necessary only if Trump were to win all three of Texas, Florida, and Ohio, which is not exactly a slam dunk. Should the Democrats nominate a Sherrod Brown, who is the newly re-elected Democratic senator from Ohio, someone popular with blue-collar voters and suburban moderates, they may win an electoral landslide against Trump. At the very least, they can win with room to spare. Predictions are just that. Predictions, not certainties. Much will change between now and November 2020. Not likely to change, though, is the behavior of Trump. Equally unlikely to change is the behavior of voters who elected a Democratic majority to the House of Representatives in November 2018.
So Europeans, learn more about American politics and you may not feel so blue about 2020. Thanks for joining me on this short version of Hijacking History, a look at items in the news and items in history that have not received the attention that is really due to them. Stay tuned for another episode of Hijacking History in a few weeks' time. Until then, happy listening.